Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where we're looking through who I think anyway are the most relevant players to talk about in your super coach, your dream team, your AFL fantasy sides for the upcoming 2023 fantasy footy season. In at number 46, yep, we've spent a fair bit of time in the back line already throughout the 50. It continues on again today because in at number 46, one of the big new defensive positional gains we've got in the offseason. Mitch Duncan is who we're talking about today. And for his first time in the 2023 preseason, fellow co-founder of the Coaches Panel, Rids is on. Hello, mate. Hey, hey, Garn. I'm good. It's good to have you back on the panel podcast and talking about Mitch Duncan. He is the 31 years of age, and as I've mentioned already, has picked up the defensive eligibility. Some might have thought, why didn't he get it last year? Because he was playing there all last year. Real simple. He was a mid-forward. You can't get a third position, so he missed out on getting it during the year. His top scores last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was a 138 against the Melbourne Footy Club, while 123 was his top Supercoach score of the year. That was against the team they ended up beating in the grand final, but it was during the home and away season. He got that 123 against the Swans. Both of those are a long way off some of his career high scores. 169 against the Doggies in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team all the way back in 2017, while it's a 156 against the Pies in the... Uh, well, the infamous hub season of 2020. He's going to be priced at an average of 92.6 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. In those formats, he'll set you back just on 820K in Fantasy and just over 840K in DT. While in Supercoach, he's got an average of 88.4. That means he'll be priced at $486,800. And Ritz, you've been playing these fantasy games for almost as long as anyone else. You know what happens this time every year. We gain some positional guys and we lose some positional guys. So Whitfield, Short, Crisp are probably the three biggest defenders off draft boards. And Mitch Duncan historically looks like he could be a very significant and very relevant gain in our back lines. I'll tell you what, though, mate, what a big guy for me to come in and just to talk about from right off the cap. Absolutely. Like, there's so much to talk about with Mitch Duncan. So I think he's he's proven he, question. in a good team. He's no best question. 22. No question. He gets managed at time. Sure. His injury history is reasonably long. I wouldn't say he represents value at any point in time. No. I wouldn't say that he doesn't represent value too, because we mm. know that he could actually go on one of those runs where in four weeks, he could average 120, 130 across the format. It's true. It's just, it's a huge, huge name. But let me just start off by saying, I actually think it's only one that we can consider in two of the three formats. Mm. I don't think his super coach days are with us anymore. Mm. But again, I may be eating my words in two months' time or however long it takes. Who knows? Like, but the guy has fallen off a bit of a cliff with super coach. Now, 
we know that the scoring for Supercoach is a little bit um, the Colonel's secrets, herbs and spices at times. <laughs> um, but even when Tom Stewart was out late last year, and I'm sure you're going to talk about it, yeah. and Mitch Duncan became the general lacrosse that in his absence, he just didn't really set the world on fire, did he? So no. I, I think we're going to have to, and I'm going to throw up a few um, reasons for him and for against him, but later. But I think we're going to have to really put a line through him in Supercoach. That's my first call on Mitch Duncan. But anyways, I'll let you go tell us all about his stats and everything. Else you know, I love prices. a good you know, I love a good stats, mate. Well, last year, you've mentioned Tom Stewart as well. Both those primary movers out of D50. He averaged 23.4 touches a game, 8.4 marks, and three rebound 50s a game. So you want to put him up against the seasonal and the league averages? He's second in the AFL for marks by averages with only James Sicily, the only other player with more than eight marks per game in the home and away season. And he ranked 14th in the league for uncontested possessions. That's purely work rate and game style of the Cats is where he's able to get those easy open spaced marks, create uncontested opportunities for him, but also then move the ball forward, rebounding out of D50 and pushing the ball up the famous Cadinia Park wings. From a fantasy perspective last year, he averaged the 92.5 across the season. Six tons, including a 124 and a 138. So while he's lost some of that ceiling that Rids has talked about, it still does rear its head every now and then. He also had three additional scores between the 90 and the 99. And just one or two occasions where he had a scoring dip below 70. While in Supercoach, his average was marginally low with that 88. Four tons, but pleasingly, all those tons were 115 or above. Four more scores between 90 and 99, and just like AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, two scores under the 70 marker. We'll talk about this new role in a moment and what it means heading into 2023, Rids, but sometimes a mistake we can make, Rids, in the fantasy community is looking so deep into a player's fantasy scoring to go, oh, their value and relevance. But those roles and scores were very, very different to what Mitch has done last year, weren't they? Yeah, they were. So now let's just break it down for Supercoach just right now, quickly, okay? Mm. we got so many, and I, I don't like the word injury prone, but we've got um, a multiple, multiple guys who are priced reasonably well in mm. Supercoach who would be more Supercoach um, relevant. Yes. we got five. We've got Aaron Hall. We've got Toby McLean. We've got Elliot Yo, and I'm not even going deep, radio. No. We've got an we've got an awful question marks in the rucks this year. Horrible. There's only 22 positions in the field. Like, I mean, how many of these guys can we fit in the one team? So if we're going to go looking for a Mitch Duncan, like, I, I just don't know. You know, he's he's priced 32nd for 2023 from um, his average of mm. 2022. So, I mean, he has fallen off a cliff, but he just doesn't seem to get the scoring for the SC that you would probably expect him to get. You know, those running half back, those good users of the ball, mm. they tend to get a lot of um, extra, like, how can I say it, extra tax on their averages or their mm. scores throughout the season. 
Mitch Duncan, for some reason, just doesn't seem to do it. Maybe he's too outside. He's not enough contested. Maybe he mm. goes missing. So, I mean, there are question marks around it for Supercoach. That's why I've said let's rule him out in Supercoach. Yeah, I think so too. Look, sometimes it does pay to go a little bit beneath the surface to see how a guy had the season that he did um, across the year. Because, for example, between rounds 2 to 11, Duncan had just the two scores of 90 and above and one additional score of 100 or above. So during that stretch of games between round 2 and 11, he was averaging just the 86 in Fantasy and Dream Team. And as Rids has pointed out now a number of times throughout this podcast, lower again in Supercoach, just the 81. However, in round 12, Tom Stewart goes down with a concussion. He comes back a few weeks later and that um, suspension after that horrible hit on Dion Prestia from not just then the missing games, but really he was not himself in that game. But if we look at round 12 onwards for Mitch Duncan, he averages 100 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 96.8 in Supercoach. So that's that's a significant stretch of games. Five games last year, he didn't play with Tom Stewart. And in those games, he goes at 101.8 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and he goes at 95 in Supercoach without him. That's a differential of 12.5 in Fantasy and Dream Team and a differential of nine points per game in Supercoach. And I think that's the interesting thing that has people connected to him. We'll talk about the buy in just a second, but a lot of that was due to Stewart's absence with injury, suspension. And I think people just kind of got a little bit lucky if they fell into Duncan as an owner at that point last year, because it was more about what happened around him more than what he was actually doing. Well, you were um, Mitch Duncan's greatest fan last year. I memory. was a Mitch Duncan truther last year. And I can tell you that outside of that kind of eight week stretch in the middle of the year, it didn't work for me in AFL fantasy. That's for sure, man. Yeah. But even that, if you look at the average of um, AFL fantasy and dream team over that time, you know, Compared to Supercoach, his Supercoach average was a lot less. So mm -hmm. that's the worrying sign. When Geelong and Geelong were winning games and he had a good role, and there was reason why it should have been the in reverse. Why, but it wasn't. Um, but again, let's let's talk about. We're not going to find a defender with the average history of a no. Mitch Duncan in any format. That's plain and simple. Like the the hundred averages over the course of his career through the roof. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's and a guy that let's and let's look at the um. Sorry, mate, to butt in, but have a look at the list of the options for the premiums in the defensive line. They're not really jumping out. Besides the top five or six. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm talking the Sinclairs, I'm talking the Stewarts, I'm talking the Doherty's, I'm talking the Dawson's, mm -hmm. maybe Brayshaw. Yeah. You know, we've only got, that's five. Like, yeah. I mean, does that mean every team is going to end with those five that we're confident with, you know? And I know there's always going to be new positions added through the course of the year sure. and everything else. And there might be a role that we'd never predicted earlier on. You know, we were talking about Pendlebury for a long time last year, you know, playing right. across. So, I mean, we just don't know if someone just jumps out of nowhere, but that doesn't really fill you with confidence, yeah? Those, you've got four or five that you can actually trust. Otherwise, 
you've got Sicily. I mean, and like he had an outstanding year last year. But I mean, his history of suspensions being a hothead, he's a hot and cold, like, you know, we've got guys like Shannon Hearn, mm. who, like, Surely I mean. Surely he's on his last season, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, when's the time when West Coast goes, you know what? We're not going to go through Shannon Hearn. We're going to go through the next guy, you know, whether it's a Chester or whoever it is, mm. to play that role. Because we they shouldn't be interested in keep going through Hearn. Like no. Adam Saad had the world's greatest season last year. He was incredible. Yeah, but I think that means that a lot of teams are going to come and target him. Mm. Like, you know, Dan Houston's had a history of hot and cold. Aaron Hall's I well, mean, we talked about him, yeah. Aaron Hall, and I mean, I'm not saying don't or do, but if you choose Aaron Hall, can you really choose Mitch Duncan? That's two out of the and then if you're going to do that are you going to go with an Elliot Yo or does that shut you out of Elliot Yo or what about Conor McGregor McKenna yeah I was going to say Conor McGregor but well you Conor know he McKenna, might be good too <laughs> yeah he might be good too. But, I mean there's a lot going on in this defensive line but there's not a lot that jumps out at you is there like, no there's not I suppose if, if you're looking for what an insight or an advantage could be for Duncan is this year for the first time in a long time, we are now having four buy rounds. So rounds 12, 13, 14, and 15. And in some of those rounds, six teams off, like we've been really incredibly used to. Whereas this year, it, it does kind of go back to when Port Adelaide were playing their games in China against a variety of different teams where they would have, a separate buy round. And so this year, Gold Coast and Geelong are the only team on the multi-buy round of round 13. Now, the reason this could be really important is at time of recording, we don't have confirmation yet on how the formats will handle this. Will it be a standard best 22 and you've just got to roll these guys on the bench or does this become a best 18 scenario? For, for a reference point, it used to just be a best 22 when Port Adelaide would play against whoever in China. But if you'd played fantasy back those days, you knew how important these players were in getting you through your multi-buy rounds because you had a premium playing every single week when others were struggling to get to 18 where they were counting cows desperately and banking for 80s so i suppose an advantage for someone like a duncan that might be a reason to go for him is they look at that buy structure and go or oh, depending on what the formats do here he could really get me out of a jam for that four week chunk of games yeah and i think that's 100 percent accurate like so i mean is it going to be the worst case scenario that if teams start like or have Stewart and Duncan through those buy? Mm. Like, I mean, that will absolutely, if it's a best 18 situation, and I, I'm not saying it is, I don't know, I have no idea. But if it is, that's going to help greatly, like through the buy rounds, like mm. the other buy rounds. So this is, and you're pretty much getting the best defender on history of average in your hmm. team from word go. And we say it week in, week out, don't we? The injury 
injury prone guys, the injury history guys. Yeah. Um, they're the guys that you want to start with. You don't want to trade into them because it makes it really, really worrying. Because I can guarantee you now you trade into a guy like Mitch Duncan, you're really going to put yourself, the risk is through the roof because you're going to trade into when he's going to get managed, when he's going to have an injury, when... And I mean, Geelong, let's look, let's look at Geelong as well. This is where mm. it's even going to become more intriguing. They've picked up Bruin. They've picked up Ollie Henry. They've picked yeah. up Bose. They've picked up, you know, they've got a lot more depth in, in what they did last year in a premiership year. Mm. So there's no reason why they wouldn't be using that depth and managing these older types, the Dangerfields, the Duncans, and a few others, mm. to get through to the finals. Because I, I can't see them missing finals unless oh. something absolutely goes wrong. And I think they're going to be cemented in finals for a very long time. So, so this is why you want to get them from the round one and go, mm. you know what, I'm just going to stick with him until he, it happens. You know, it's probably inevitable that it's going to happen. Sure. We all know Chris Scott, the anti-fantasy guy. <laughs> um, you know, he always does a laid out every week. He always manages these relevant guys. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's probably a little bit of a reason why people probably won't start with him. Absolutely. But guess what? That means he's going to be more of a pod and more of a unique. And if Helpful. you are absolutely wanting to get off a flyer, why not get the guy with the best history of average, you know, with potentially, and again, potentially the best ceiling in the back line. I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Like, I mean, the, you know, the way that you can juggle this, like, so anyways, I'm not going to talk it up too much. I'm not going to talk it down too much, but it's really the most intriguing player. And I think outside of Aaron Hall in the defensive mm. line, those two just scream to me like if they stay on the park, wow, we we could be looking at number one and number two for the average for the year, couldn't we? In the yeah, defensive line. Uh, depending on the format, absolutely. Look, for, as a reference point, we're talking about the start of the year. This is the first eight weeks of games for Geelong. Collingwood, Carlton, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, West Coast, Sydney, Essendon, and Adelaide. For a, for a premiership team, that's a really nice run, not just in terms of victories that can go there, but for fantasy opponents in terms of how they play that back line, the way they allow defensive units to line up and move the ball freely. Right at the top of the episode, I talked about Mitch Duncan. What are the things that he does elite in the AFL by ranks? Number two for marks, most of them uncontested. Top 15 in the league for uncontested possessions. If Geelong are in control of the game, that is where you want people like Mitch Duncan because that's where the fantasy points pop. Look, he might not be for everyone, and Supercoach is probably not the one for him at the moment, although some variables could change. We saw Tom Stewart goes out last year. Duncan pops up right towards kind of the underneath of the top level of our defenders. And that's all it takes again is Geelong to go, you know what? We're going to move through Duncan this year. And he now, as Rids has said a few times, could become one of the best defensive options for us in salary caps formats for 2023. Draft day is interesting to me though, Rids, where he goes on draft days across the formats. He's a top 10 defender based on averages of what he's done last year and you've mentioned a few names there the the Doherty the Dawson the Sinclair the Stewart 
on draft day, he could go anywhere from the fifth or sixth defender off the board in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team formats right through to 10th, 11th or 12th defender on the board. It's a very interesting group beneath that top first tier. Uh, There's also a world in draft days where you could possibly handcuff a Duncan in a hall. Mm. So on any given week, if they both play, you could be looking at your top two defenders for that week on any given week. And I mean, that's not talking it up. That's just the way it is. Um, So on draft day, it's going to come down to your team strategy. Who are you going to go? Do you want your... um, safer, more secured defensive premium, and then throw in some of these high-end, um, more risk. Volatile. You can, yeah. Yeah. Um, because, like, if you look at the defensive lines, guys like Witherden, you know, there's another one that jumps out, Lloyd. You know, there's a few of these guys that are floating around that seem to have that sort of ceiling for them. So I think... Um, on draft day, though, he's gonna, he's probably going to end up falling down to your D2, D3 position. But I don't think you actually jump on your D2 or D3 until later in your drafts. Like, it's just not the year for defence for me um, in the drafts. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird... What's your feeling? Yeah, I think in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team formats, and we can talk about Supercoach in a second, I still think people will pick him as their D1. And and will jump earlier than they should for a guy of what he could. Now, again, we've just talked up about the positives of him. But I can see people going, he's a name, he's a 90 guy. I'm going to jump on and get my D1 in like the fifth round. Um, but I think that's also being influenced by how people are trying to balance out that forward structure too. So I, I think in those formats, people will still jump very early on Duncan. Um, in super coach, I think you're right. I think a super coach, a, a D2, maybe even a D3 is probably about right. Cause he's yeah, priced. I don't, I don't know. I just think in DT and AF, if you're going that early, like in those earlier picks, you know, those first five or six picks, you know, in the rounds, um, I just wouldn't go there. I, I just don't feel like I've got enough confidence in a draft day that he's going to be there for any week later in the season, especially when finals come around, and that he's 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 had a history of um, going down mid-game as well, which is always good in draft games because you can always put that um, 25% or 30% Threshold game on, yeah. time. Yeah, but I mean, I just, yeah, I think if you're going too early on him, you're actually missing out on a more valuable commodity on another on line. Another. And I think that's right. And that's why for me, that's where I think he'll go. But I probably wouldn't invest the draft selection capital there because you might be able to get it at a similar selection point, someone like a Chad Warner, um, who's got the potential to be a 105 plus midfielder. And then as you talked about, you know, handcuffing him to a hall, man's round seven, eight, nine. I'll pick up my D1, D2 and get the high ceiling capacity defender there and then just get some safer options in the back line later on. Because there's always, we say it every year in drafts, there's always guys in the player pool in the forward and the defensive line that you can jag a 70 just about every single week. Um, Getting a, a midfielder that can go 90 plus 
they're really hard to find out of the waiver wire and the player pool every single week. So um, I think you're right. I think he'll go earlier than he should on draft day. Um, but if things go his way, owners will feel validated. Um, but for me, I, I, I probably wouldn't pick him where his kind of ADP will land him. Let, let, let's kind of put it that way. And I think the main thing with um, planning for the draft is plan for the finals. Mm. Don't plan for the round one to five, you know, plan for the finals. Um, so if you are going to go in, there's no problems with going in, but you're going to have a deeper bench, you know, same situation with an Aaron Hall. Like yeah. you need to have a deeper bench and you might have to have a deeper D say D2 through to D5. So that way then you're not losing too much. And there is a little bit of value in the defense lines too. So guys like McGrath, Ellis, mm. Himmelberg, you know, Atkins, there's a whole heap of guys that are probably going to slide to later yeah. and will fit in D3, D4. But if you're going to plan that, it, you just need to go, you know what? I need to go one deeper in the defensive line if I do want to go in. Um, and I need to make sure that I've got a bit of flexibility there. That's all. Yep. Yeah, uh, some good advice from you, mate. Hey, Reeds, it's great to have you back on the podcast for your 2023 fantasy footy season. Too easy, mate. And no doubt you'll be hearing a little bit more from me. Oh, we'll definitely be getting you back plenty throughout the 50 most relevant and this entirety of the season to come. If you want to go and read the article, you can go and check it out at coachespanel.tv. All the players revealed so far, not only can you go back and listen to the podcast where you're listening to this, but at coachespanel.tv, all the links for every player revealed so far. In just over 30 seconds, I'm going to give you a clue to tell you who's coming in at number 45 in the 50 most relevant. But if you are loving these podcasts, make sure you, you become a Patreon for just a couple of bucks a month that helps support the coaches panel. Do what we do. You get some bonus content, exclusive access to a bunch of other stuff. And it also just helps us continue on and you get some sneaky little rewards, like I said. Uh, you can also make sure you leave a nice five-star rating and review wherever you're getting this podcast so that others can hear about the coaches panel. So number 45, we're officially into the mid-teens tomorrow in the 50 most relevant. He was just a handful of years ago. He was the breakout star that everybody was on. But his stars faded for a couple of years. But his 2023 where he rises from the ashes. His club need him to, and maybe for his own fantasy sake and his own AFL career's sake, he needs to re-emerge in 2023. The fact that he's in the 50 most relevant means, oh, we got to talk about him tomorrow.